The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Briggs Auction, the official auction of the process. Yeah, BriggsAuction.com. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at BigBarker.com slash Ricky. Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. 302-864-8643. And Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe. StatesideVodka.com. In fact, Mike has his column tomorrow in the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe about Sixers backup centers. Mm, Something new for me to talk about. (laughs) On the show today. Something fresh. The Sixers go into the All-Star break with a win over the Cleveland Cavaliers after a win over the Rockets, after a win over the Nets, after a win over the Knicks. Not bad going into the break on a 55-win pace, I believe. Sixers sign a guy on the shirt. That is right. Dwayne Dedman is a Sixer. We'll talk about that. Everyone has a bit of a Matisse Thibault meltdown as he has one good game. The Sixers say goodbye to a two-way player and add Mac McClung, who will be in the dunk contest. Jacques Vaughn simply does not know who he can play Ben Simmons with. And finally, we will get to the ringer top 100. If you're watching on YouTube live or otherwise, please remember to subscribe right there. If we don't get to 10,000 subscribers by the end of the playoffs, CJ's going to get fired. So subscribe right there. Uh, Live Ricky 5 is April 9th at Underground Arts with our special guest, B-Ball Paul. The pre-sale is February 22nd, which is next Wednesday. You will need to sign up for the newsletter to get the pre-sale password. We have another special guest we'll be announcing during this pod that will be at Live Ricky 5. That is official. I did mention stateside Urban Craft Vodka. I am enjoying the regular stateside vodka, which is just delicious in the uh, rocks glass. But many people are enjoying their new Surfside tea flavors. Peach tea and vodka, iced tea and lemonade and vodka, and the straight up lemonade and vodka Surfside. They're all amazing. All the right amount of sweetness. Just a soft, soft sweetness. A very pleasant drink. You can get it at statesidevodka.com, though you must be 21 to enjoy it. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. We will write y'all. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is going to reveal the uh, new special guest that we are announcing for Live Ricky 5. Right now, it is who you think it is. It is the, uh, did I tell you who it was going to be? It's in the I notes. I think so. Yeah. It's in the, it's in the rundown, we're saying. Yeah, beginning. 
Well, you it's, know yeah. who it yeah, is. Yeah, that's what, I thought, that's what I thought it was, but I didn't okay. want to say it. Okay. It is the War on Drugs own Eliza Hardy Jones. Eliza, years ago, wrote and performed for us. Yep. Uh, imagine the process. The, then she left before I got to meet her. So I didn't, she was there. I saw her performing and then I never. No, she never performed. Oh, she, that's right. In my she, mind, she, yes, that's right. Yes. That's right. So she recorded it for us. That's she, she wrote it. She wrote it. I don't even know if she ever recorded it. Did she? Yeah, we played it. Yes, we played it. And then we had Felicia sing it. And then we had the young lady from Paul Green sing it. But we never had Eliza perform it live. Eliza will, Eliza Hardy Jones of the Ricky, of War on Drugs. Yeah, she, was will our, she was with us first. Yes, will perform Imagine the Process to kick off live Ricky Five at Underground Arts. Hey, and buddy. Can we get her to do some War on Drugs songs, just like her by herself? Just I, like try to do an impression of Adam? I mean, it wasn't the, it wasn't the deal, but. I could ask. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll float it to her. <laughs> I wanted to knit one of the blankets up on stage. Remember when she was doing the the knitting project? She was like knitting blankets. She was like the the first time we ever had her on. She was doing like knitting oh, blankets yeah, of I the world or something. So, anyway, uh, we will see you at live Ricky Five. We All will. right, the Sixers are what thirty eight and nineteen. Best team in the league since uh, I think it's January first or late December or something. Heart, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But it, it's true. They have and 55 really, win pace. Yeah, it is really easy to complain about it. And sometimes I do complain about it a lot, maybe too much. But I'm I'm up and down. I'm never I'm very rarely middle. And we, so I have to be, I have to just like go wherever my little whining attitude takes me. <laughs> and sometimes it takes me to a dark place when they don't get a backup center and I don't trust Doc to do the the right thing. But mm -hmm. we're in the midst of a, a little stretch where Doc is playing B-Ball Paul at backup center, despite the Dwayne Dedman signing yep. um, off, the, uh, off the buyout market, the vaunted buyout market. Mm -hmm. um, Trez is on the bench, still having no idea what he could do better. Yep. Um, and they look, for the first half, this, this was one of the best first halves that they've played in a really long time. It's hard to, it's recency bias kicks in. I, I, I have no idea what happened last week. So... I'm a prisoner of the moment, and this moment was a good moment until it got bad. Uh, but really, really, like, they came out popping. They looked athletic. They looked crisp. Cleveland's a good team. They play together. They have two guys that can really get anywhere on the court and then two other guys that can really, like, protect the rim and, and you know, do everything on the defensive end pretty much. And the Sixers were just a way better team in the first half. Um, got some corner threes, got some second-chance points, just, like, this is what they're capable of. And it was nice to see. And then the second half came around and we knew it was going to come. That yeah. is something that we know. Yep. When there's a first half, there's always going to be a second half. And sometimes the second half makes us feel like shit. There was no offense. There was, you know, slow, no rhythm, ISO stuff. They didn't do any pick and roll even. They were just missing contested jumpers off the dribble late in the shot clock. And then it got close and they won. And it's fine. But it's fine. It's fine. It's still I, unpleasant. It doesn't have to be so unpleasant. I, the, I know it makes me seem like a contrarian, which is my nature, of course. But I, I think it's more about balance. When, when you, because you are historically more optimistic and positive about the team than I am, at least over the last five years, I would say, you know, 
And then I, you know, but then now as you've gone into this dark hole that you've been in for a little while for the season, I feel myself just not, not being in that same place. And a lot of the, 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 the wins that would, that would be let, except for the Nets one, the, the, the Nets one felt like it was, it was specifically there to piss me off that particular win. Yeah. But just right. in general the little stuff is not bothering me quite as much and i the here are the the couple of things that i took from the game tonight first of all i would the, love the to Celt- deny the celtics it. loss was very bad also the celtics uh, it loss was, without, it was. without any of their best players that yeah, was it was terrible that was, that was bad but i was talking about the the wind specifically oh, the winds don't feel it. yeah and you feel you're even keeled yeah i'm, I'm even killed so the first of all honestly James Harden seems to have gotten better as the season has gone on. Like every week he seems to get better. He still has his moments every game as, as every player does where you're like, Oh, you didn't need that step back. But Mm -hmm. by and large, he has hit big buckets. He has played, he's gotten by players better as the season has gone on. You know, tonight there were a couple of times where he purposely went right. I forget who was guarding him, but just, just went right by him. One he time is, it was Danny. He's oh right, you know Danny. Dan, Danny runs like a nice I round do. of applause. I was happy with the round of applause Danny got. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because he he never got applause when he was here. Which yeah, is so odd. It, was, it was he was due for some saved up. And uh, so I thought I thought Harden was gr- great tonight by and large. And you mentioned Doc playing B ball Paul. B ball Paul played particularly well tonight. B-Ball Paul had an under control game, had a nice little finish, had a put back dunk, mm-hmm. had uh, he sets setting world's records for sort of setting screens per possession. Six of them doesn't really make contact with the defender very much, but does it every time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't care that James Harden is never going to pass to him. He, he got it one to him. time. He got it to him. I, I'm so happy when he gets the ball in those rolls because he's rolling so much. His hand is up. His hand is just up there, pointing to the Lord, just he, not, not getting not, not getting much back from it. But he's put he puts his hand up, and I I love it. I love it. He him, set but. a screen when Yang was already setting the screen, and he he sort of like got in the way of Perfect. the Niang screen. He had a couple of great blocks and a, a tie up and a steal. Yeah. It was a great basketball Paul game. I know it's driving Doc crazy, but he hates it. It was a good B-ball Paul game. Embiid was very big down the stretch, even though I thought it was a strange game from him. He had like a weird energy in the first quarter and a half of the game. But uh, it was a win, man. It's a win over the fourth seed. You want that? I want that three seed. Stay out of that 3-4 matchup or whatever. Mm-hmm. I want that three seed. I want a chance at that two seed. Absolutely, man. I mostly Absolutely. just really want to see a Sixers-Bucks matchup. Mm. We feels like it's a long time coming that that's happened, and to have to to have to play Boston in the second round again would be really, really aggravating, <laughs> just on so many levels. Uh, a great b-ball Paul game. A great b-ball Paul. The game. tip dunk off the Jalen McDaniel's miss uh, on the drive. Even just like we'll talk about Jalen in a sec, but like just nice to. How often do we give up? It feels like tip dunks mm-hmm. to teams when Embiid has to rotate over, and it's just nice that b-ball Paul is there for a nice little tip dunk. That that felt great. Um. Yeah, he had that nice finish off the maxi pass. I feel like I write. I talk about every time. Every single thing B-ball Paul does well, 
I talk about on the podcast and <laughs> MB does 57 things and I'm like, yeah, yeah, pretty average MB game. Uh, but it's, 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 that's what you get when you're, uh, when you're on the podcast. MB, if you want to show up for uh, the same fee B-Ball Paul is getting, then you are welcome to <laughs> get all of, the, all of this credit as well. Uh, no, I love, I love Paul, man. Like the, he's just such a funky, weird guy. Like he finishes in such weird ways. And but he does it. He gets it done. A um, couple of those blocks, a couple of ticky tack fouls. But I really don't mind him. People, people that are anti Paul, uh, who I don't really want to recognize, um, are like he fouls too much. And it's like he's literally going to play nine minutes. Yeah, he can he's use going all to play the nine fouls. minutes. I don't care if he fouls out in nine minutes. That's fine. He's going to play less than nine minutes in the playoffs. He's played nine tonight. And he's um, probably fouling centers and power forwards, which are you know if you're going to foul anybody, foul those guys. Who cares? And some of them are weak calls. They shouldn't they shouldn't give it to him. But they just know like this guy fouls a lot, so we're gonna we're gonna call it. And I it really is clear now that McDaniel's is here. Now that B-Ball Paul, you 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 look at the court when they're out there together, and you're like, God, there's some athletes here. There's some length. There's some juice. There's some like we can get to a loose ball. We're not just like helplessly waving at you know three taller guys jumping over our heads to get an offensive rebound it's just very it's it's very nice to have athletic players on the basketball court b-ball paul is one of those players jan mcdaniel is one of them and it's nice that b-ball rewarded doc for being in the rotation for like a you know third consecutive game he's played yeah. he's played pretty well yeah he's played pretty well the whole time that's all you need from him he did it last playoffs there's no reason why he couldn't do it again Mike, I'm going through the most recent Briggs auction. I'm going through the collectible section, briggsauction.com. A U.S. president election pin collection, a collection of U.S. presidential election pins from the 1960s to the 2000s. I need one of those. Uh, What else? A a Knight's Templar sword, seven tobacco pipes, (laughs) a clock with FDR on it. Just... Crazy shit. A thousand. Lo- oh, and this is my favorite one. McDonald's collector series glassware. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're old enough to remember the McDonald's glassware that you could buy, like the glasses for two ninety nine. or. I feel like I can envision it. Oh, they're so good. It has, it has all of them. It's like three of each one. Anyway, BriggsAuction.com. That is BriggsAuction.com. We love Briggs Auction, a four-generation family-owned and operated auction house in Delaware County. Not just the the goofy collectibles that I like. I'm looking through the the auction that ends on the 17th. You, you go through all the like a huge selection, 113 items in the art uh, the art uh, category, 128 items in the china glass and pottery category, 131 items in the decorative arts category. This happens every week. Huge auctions with one of a kind collectibles, one of a kind furniture. Cars are in there, everything. And lots start at a dollar. I love Briggs Auction. I love the app. You can download the app in the App Store or Google Play. I'll go to the website when I'm on the desktop, briggsauction.com. And pickup, if you get one of the lots, is easy. Saturdays, open pickup or by appointment during the week. They will work with a shipper to get it to you if that's what you'd like. Um, And like... It's fun. It, it, I would rather kill time on the Briggs Auction uh, app or the website than TikTok. That's all I'm saying. No one is harvesting my brain on the Briggs Auction website. And if you are, you have a, an estate auction you'd like to do, you'd like to downsize, maybe you, uh, maybe somebody left you a bunch of shit in a will, you don't want any of it, info at BriggsAuction.com. That is info at BriggsAuction.com. Briggs Auction, the official auction of the process. It, it really was 
a very nice the first half was really ex- exceptional and the second half was bad so when i talk about like this person had a nice game it generally means they had a nice first half um but harden was like is showing is just doing some special stuff out there he just you know the occasional yes you said like step x three or that he doesn't need to take or holding the ball too late in the shot clock or sort of pointlessly passing up a catch and shoot three to take a more difficult guarded one never um, passing to be ball paul not you know rarely passing to be ball paul but um he's really been he's having the best three-point shooting season of his career right now he's Wild. he's a tick a tick below where he was his third season in the, in the nba but he's shooting significantly more volume uh shooting 39 percent on seven threes per game is like the, the, and the difficulty that he shoots them is like really big and his drive has been looking pretty crisp like mm-hmm. getting by guys got by danny god bless him there were a couple other times he got by evan mobley and they crossed him up like that those are nice stuff and he's been like hitting that pocket pass to Embiid a lot like and it really can't be expressed how many more easy looks Embiid gets because since harden has gotten here it yep. just makes it when they're deciding to run their stuff and for some reason in the second half and many other times they just decide now nah, it's time for iso ball and it looks worse but when they decide to not do that NB gets a ton of these looks, and that's because of how how crafty Harden is with the ball in his hands, and how they you know they worry about the shot, they worry about the drive, they worry about the pass, they worry about the cross court pass. Like he can just beat you from anywhere, and he has like it hasn't been beautiful all the time, but like him implementing, adding like a little step back, you know, twelve footer to his game in the playoffs is going to matter as defenses tighten up and he's comfortable taking that shot. Um, it did and seem been, like he was taking it earlier in the season more than he is taking it now doesn't seem like maybe a little he was taking the mid-range a it, little it, bit more well it felt like early in the season um more of a novelty that mm-hmm. like this is new kind of thing but i do think he's been taking he hasn't been making him as much lately but um i think i i, I still think it feels like he's still taking him plenty he um, could pass to his ball paul more more on the of course pick and that's roll. what he's, everybody's saying everyone's everyone knows people paul knows he's saying it um and it's just been really it's been just a nice like hardened stretch over mm-hmm. the last like i the some of the passes are frustrating some of the late like the lackadaisicalness is frustrating but like he's really really good he he is completely controlling everything out there and they're just a better team because he's here and uh there's some frustrating things all the time and there might be frustrating things to come over the course of the of the second half of the season of the playoffs but like he's still a really really good player and he's making it easier on our guy joe and uh he should get credit for that Anything? I, I, I don't know what else from this. Oh, it was a good PJ Tucker game too. I mean, a it was great a PJ Tucker game. Yeah, I, he, you know, he got roasted by Mitchell once or twice, but he also locked him up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He hit a couple of corner threes. He had that floater. He looked. He didn't play very much it, in the fourth. Did he play at all in the fourth? Almost maybe? not at all. No. Yeah, he but looked I great. He I mean, game. he missed most of the last game with a sore calf. Um, he left early. I think imagine how much better he could look with even more games off. Just take a couple here and there. It's a long regular season. You don't need to be playing. You get paid the same amount anyway. Um, he, yeah, you talked about the floater. He had a couple floaters, one of which was on a wide open layup. Could have even dunked it. God, God forbid. But instead, he took a standstill floater, which is just the strangest thing in the world. It's look, he's he's bizarre. There's things that I wish he did more, but like tonight was a night where like even if those shots missed, even if he didn't make those th- corner threes, which tonight he did, he was two for two. Like he just needs to be a factor in some way. 
And tonight he was a factor and the shots went in. But like he can't just be absolutely nothing on the offensive end. He can't just be like running he's, away from the ball, he's running a, out of the dunker few, spot. He's gotten better if the, over the last few weeks. It's been, a, it's been a couple. Yes, he's had his second and third double figure scoring games of the season in the last in the last week. Like that's very nice. He just needs to he needs to not be nothing in the same way that like Matisse couldn't be nothing or Simmons couldn't be nothing in the playoffs. Like so, you can't have absolute zero offensive player energy out there and and pj is hopefully graduating out of that and getting more willing to to do some stuff he even dribbled a little bit he had a tip in that was nice like just give me something got to do something appreciate something you mentioned jalen mcdaniels can i make uh, let me make a, a statement this is my official statement i'm in i'm in on jalen mcdaniels love watching him out there love watching yeah. him out there he's Absolutely. The, the skinniest sixer since nerland noel it's not even close he he looks like, you know, I know he has a seven foot wingspan. It looks like it's it's double that. I think he can dribble, which yeah. is something that that Thibault couldn't do. And honestly, his defense looks pretty good. I, I especially his. Um, I haven't watched very much. I haven't like thought very much from a a team defense perspective. But when he's one on one, he's. Good man, I'm I'm all in on Jalen McDaniels this year until I'm not. But for yeah. now, I'm all in. Yeah, he's really solid. He's a really like capable player. I think there's a little bit of like best behavior going on right now in the first few sure. games of his of his era, and I, I think hopefully that sticks. Just because of you know he's playing in Charlotte before, and even in the previous years when Charlotte was a little bit better, they still weren't like a contending team. So he is now playing alongside like two of the best players in the NBA. So he knows what he has to do, and what he more importantly what he doesn't have to do. Um, but yeah, he can attack a closeout. He can like, he is there. He's like agile in a, in an, in an athletic way. Like sometimes you're just, his athleticism isn't just like jumping straight up and down. There's like flexibility to it. Like he had a nice rebound, uh, where he showed his agility and then had a tip in, uh, offensive rebound on the next play. Um, he's also been like, he missed a couple lobs over the last few games, but him being lobs guy that I've been begging for Matisse to be lobs guy. I've been begging for Derek Jones Jr. to like manifest on this team. And finally, Jalen McDaniels just like, yeah, I can just catch a couple lobs and put it down. Like it's just, it's so refreshing and it's so nice. Um, Paul would love to catch a couple lobs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he actually, Paul doesn't like to catch lobs that much. He likes to come down with it and put it up as a layup. Oh, right. right. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just been good. He, and I think Daryl had an interesting quote about him where he was like, we think that there's like a lot more upside uh, to Jalen McDaniels than he has shown um, being like mostly a bench player on Charlotte, although has filled in as a starter and in, in, uh, like, because of injuries and stuff. Um, like, I think there's, I can't do vocal fry. I can't do uh, Daryl vocal fry about having more upside. Do you we'll get him back on here? He can do it himself. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, running from us. But yeah, I mean, he's just like a capable, normal basketball player. I think that there will be times when he does stuff where you're like, oh, Daniel House and like became his body for a second there. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but like he's just capable. He's athletic. He's long. Um, he wants to be here. He can rebound. Like he's just like a helpful, helpful player. And I hope he sticks in the rotation for a while. And he came in for defense on on like offense defense pos- uh, possessions at the end of this game. And it was it was nice to see between him and him and Melton. Like it's just it, it's just you know Matisse was a like a loogie reliever. That you're like you're putting him in, and you're hoping that like against left-handed pitching, like or left-handed hitting, like you you throw him out there. But like he wasn't, he could really get absolutely jacked if you push him against fucking like Paul Goldschmidt or something. And McDaniel's is just more like yeah, he's capable. Like he's just capable in a bunch of different ways, and 
he balances the team out a little bit more as far as like a two-way-ish, three and D-ish if you squint, like fast-ish because he glides, athletic, like can rebound, just does a bunch of stuff. The shot, the shot is the thing that we're, that we're going to be, you know, begging for him to keep improving on. Uh, he's a better shooter, more willing shooter than Matisse, but um, it's been a nice few games for Jalen to start the start the uh, campaign, and I I'm glad Doc is playing him. He should be in the rotation, and I'm glad that this is happening. I assume we will get into the uh... oh, and by the way, it was a like it feels like D'Anthony Melton's had a rough great couple Melton of game weeks, but it was very a, it was necessary. A, yeah, it, it hadn't been. There were a little too many like one for four three point. D'Anthony Mountain games over the last couple of weeks, it felt like or whatever. And it it didn't it felt like he went from a player who exactly had a spot on the team mm-hmm. to it looked like I don't know, it did it looked like he didn't fit or something for a couple of weeks, but it was a really good game from him. Well, because they're asking him to do so much, you know? They're asking him to be like be the best wing defensive player on this team and sometimes like shut guys down. And when his when his when he's getting, when people were getting by him and the shot was kind of starting to not fall and he wasn't really like finishing at the rim as much as you'd like him to, it became like, well, what do you do here? Um, for a few games. And, uh, and I think also doc was like, if he's not playing well, like we're going to go to maxi cause I want to prove that maxi is still one of the core players in this team. Um, but Melton, it was, was bound to regress shooting wise a little bit. He's still shooting over 40% from three. Um, had a nice two for five game tonight. It's just, and I think it was really helpful for him to uh, go seven for seven from the line. Like this team as a whole, they were 27 to 29 from three. This is the best free throw shooting Sixers team of my life. Like they're getting to the line a lot because of Joel mostly. And they're hitting a ton. It's like so many times where they're shooting like 25 for 27 or 31 for 34. Like it was going to say, it seems like it's every game. It seems like it's every game. They say, Hey, Sixers, by the way, are 30 of 31 so far tonight from the line. Yeah. They're a good they're a very good free throw shooting team in that and that stuff matters in the playoffs and we know that because we had Ben Simmons for a long time and that wasn't the case. Um mm. and it was and it was so it was good to see Melton do that. Maxi was a solid Maxi game. They're just like even it, it the it's been a better week and a half for him. He's like turned a corner. He talked to, to the press about like he called his parents off a Sixers Adam question, by the way. Yeah. Uh that he had like a long 90 minute phone call with his parents and like struggling with just you know the the rigors of an NBA season and maybe being benched and who knows what else, like these guys have lives and, and feelings and stuff. Um, and it was nice to see him bounce back with a few good games in a row. His, his just energy and his finishes and his speed is just such a lifesaver for this team. So often like Embiid gave him a hot potato with like three seconds left in the shot clock and he catches it 25 feet from the rim. And in an instant, he gets a floater out of it from like six feet out. It's just like, it's a huge play when the Sixers were dying to turn the, like give the game away. And he hit the step back three in the, in the third quarter. That might have saved the game. Like they were trying to give things away so much in the second half. And Maxi like threw just like a couple loose balls here and there and a couple like crafty finishes and sh- and just shot making uh, really like saved it a number of times. And and he's great. And I'm glad. I'm just so glad he's here. There was a time before the deadline where I was like, maybe they fucking should trade him for something like OG Ananobi or some stuff and like figure out, figure out if like there's a better fit with Harden. But like, He's just awesome and he deserves to be on this team and they will be thankful that over for years to come that he's on this team because he's he's good and he keeps getting better in his defense over the last few games. Not as great tonight, but like 
over the last few games has been really, really good. It feels like he's turned a corner. It feels like he's anticipating steals a little bit more, getting his hands in passing lanes, using his speed on that end also. Um, I love him. I'm, I'm glad he's here. Well, I'm sure on Saturday we will, because we're at the all-star break and assuming Daryl continues to run from us and it'll just be us, we'll do our sort of like analysis of the team at the break. But I think big picture, we'll, we'll go in a little deeper this weekend, but big picture, I think you'd have to say like in terms of record, in terms of the way you feel about them, it sort of seems like the Sixers <laughs> at the all-star break are exactly what we figured they would be, right? Like, I think it's probably better. Really? It doesn't feel better, but if I put myself before the season and I put myself now, I think expectations wise, and they have Wouldn't a tough, they have a tough four wins or something, and you know, just below the best teams in but the they, league. But they were missing Embiid for some of that. They missed Harden for a bunch of games. They missed Maxi for a bunch of games. Like they've they've weathered a number of injuries from their best three players. Everybody has. I don't think as much as the Sixers have. They the, between those three guys, those main three guys, they've really they've really missed a number of games. And over mm-hmm. the last over the, the whatever how many ever games they've you know twenty five of thirty or something like that. Yeah. Um, they've been healthy, but prior to that, and when they started like twelve of twelve, twelve and twelve or whatever, it was it was dangerous injury wise for for everybody. Um, it's it's been a nice you know Tobias has had a had a tough little stretch here and there but it was a Tonight nice was game Tonight it was, was a nice like doing the right stuff getting threes up quick making decisions i thought he was like even fighting for some he didn't get any offensive rebounds but i thought that he was like <laughs> in the mix on him like in the mix on some like fighting for stuff like being physical and getting just like I, give me just, some give me something had a transition dunk which i always appreciate should we do that let's check it what's tobias up to dunk wise well and while you're looking that up i the thing about tobias is that i swear when we talked to him mm-hmm. leading up to it, I, I look, I'm going to be honest. When we were mm-hmm. talking to him, I did go a little overboard in how much he had changed, but yeah, a little overboard, but he was playing different. Yeah. Noticeably different. And stats wise, you could look, he was up to like five and a half threes per 36 or whatever, or per game, whatever he was. Since that moment, he like went to the old Tobias. Yeah, a little bit. It was like he noticed. It was like it was happening. We should know what it is. We should. It's like him. when a little kid is like walking for the first time, and everyone's like, "Don't say anything! Don't say anything! Don't say anything!" And as soon as everyone goes, "You're walking," he falls the fuck down. Like yeah. that's what happened to Tobias. A little bit, yeah, a little bit like that. He has up to thirty-eight dunks on the year. Um, a little bit lower percentage-wise than he was when he was on here. There were a couple over the last week where he's been like, you're right there, bud. Just throw it down. And he's just like sort of like guides it in. I think we might need to talk to him again so we can remember like, yeah, we're trying to dunk. We're trying to take threes off quickly, that kind of thing. But he is, he's got 38 dunks in the season. His career high is 55, which was set in the year that they traded for him between the Clippers and the Sixers. So 17 more dunks the rest of the way would tie it. And he's still well ahead of percentage-wise, of percentage of his field goal attempts. Um higher than his career average, except for his rookie year. So he's doing his thing. We got an email. It says, hey, Spike, Mike, and CJ. First, I wanted to share this story about my weird dog, Zoe, who I love. We got her a big barker, obviously, because we love her, but her stubborn ass still wanted to sleep either on the floor or on her old crappy dog bed. Now, I could have returned the big barker, but instead I just put her old dog bed on top of the big barker so she would get support she needs for joint health. Now she loves sleeping on the double dog bed. 
She may not care about her joint health, but I do. Um, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky. That's where you go to get the Big Barker dog bed with the process pup patch. To be honest, we had to do that with Rebel. Rebel had started to sleep in the bed with us. Didn't want to lay on the Big Barker initially. We put the Big Barker in our bed. He started laying on that, and then we moved the Big Barker to the floor. Mm-hmm. The Big Barker is the... I'm so proud to talk about Big Barker because it is so much better for your dog's health than any other dog bed. Dog sleeps a lot, a lot. And I've said this a bunch of times, but imagine you see that the dog bed you have, it looks floofy and and comfortable. It looks like a pillow. Imagine you slept every night on a pillow. Wouldn't be good for your back. Wouldn't be good for your hip. Wouldn't be good for your knees. None of that stuff. You wouldn't wake up feeling refreshed. You'd wake up feeling creaky. And that's what happens when you put your dog on those shitty dog beds. They look comfortable. They're not supportive. Big Barker dog bed engineered by experts to support your dog joints. You see the difference when you look at it. You see the difference. PenVet did a study. It does make a difference. Makes a difference in joint health. Makes a difference in uh, in the, your dog's uh, pain severity. All of those things. And as your dog gets older, those things become more important. One job. You've got one job as a dog owner. Make your dog as happy and healthy as you can. Tobias has two big barkers. I think he said in his house. In his house, uh, uh, Bebal Paul has a big barker for uh, Draco. 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 Get your dog a big barker. Big Barker, bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky, 10 year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One year at home trial. If you don't like it, if you, if your dog doesn't like it, they will give you a, a full refund and pay for shipping handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. <laughs> now, Mike, one player we did not talk about is uh, right now. The Sixers have two players on their team that are on the shirt. Now, the shirt is a famous Ricky shirt that we've reprinted a bunch of times with until Sam got let go, all of the players that were in the process up until Sam. Yeah. They currently have two players on the roster. I'm, I'm not telling you shirt. to name, name them. How many players on the shirt do you think you could name? If I just had to start naming them? Yeah. That's hard. It's like um, 100, right? Isn't it? A, isn't yeah, it like something like exactly that. Exactly 100? Yeah. I... <laughs> I'd say I, I could th- probably get like 75% of them. I, I, I think the thing is I would have to get on a roll, start yeah. getting on a roll and start remembering them. Yeah, yeah. I Connect was going to guess between them. Yeah. I was going to guess 50 or 60 that I would remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So Embiid is on the shirt. He's on the Sixers. And the other one is buyout signee Dwayne Dedman. Sixers sign a player who had, I think, 15 DMPs before the Heat. Cut him. There we go, baby. Uh, at one point, he would have been a backup center that we would have been very happy with them acquiring. Correct? Absolutely. Which which is a, a there's a similar trait between all of the former backup centers we've had because at one point, they were good. Hmm. Used to be good. A lot of guys that used to be good. I know. I understand that they're not cutting young players in their prime. But it does feel like, you know, he, there was an article, I think I read it on Liberty Ballers, where it, it was summing up uh, Deadman's uh, conversations with the press today, where he talked about he, he was getting over some plantar fascia stuff earlier in the season. Mm. He said he's past that. Look, Deadman is, he's a great rebounder. You can look at his rebounding numbers. 
He is an excellent defensive rebounder, which is helpful because Montrez was not. He's not a good defensive rebounder. He's five foot eight as a as a backup center. Doc uh, was on the sideline tonight with an anxiety boner, waiting for please. fucking B ball Paul to fuck up so he please can put fuck up in Paul. It. Paul, I'm begging you to fuck up, man. He started like coaching him in the wrong way. He starts like <laughs> to contradict himself just so he can fuck up and be like, "I told you this." He was like, "Paul, we're on offense. We're on offense." Just trying to fucking Anything. confuse him. Yeah, Anything. whatever it takes. Um, but at least there is a there's an NBA skill in Dwayne Dedman in that he's a still an excellent defensive rebounder, or at least you know, has been over the last few years. For two and, years, he could shoot a little bit. And he can shoot a little. There's the threat of the shot. Now, like it's important to remember B Ball Paul did shoot like 40% from three in the G League. Yeah. I don't exactly know how that that's possible on like pretty high volume. So it's hard to believe that that's true, but it is statistically true. We just need if Dedman does play and he's going to. Um, we just need the threat of some pick and pop, like allow somebody else, allow Maxi to drive and then draw the big and kick it out to Demon. Like there's something, whereas Trez was just, I was texting, I think I might've said this on the pod before, but I was texting with Michael Connor about it where it's like, Trez is just in the way and just standing and not standing in like an effective way. At least Deadman can stand out in the three point line. And the idea of him shooting it is not crazy. Um, Trez, by the way, I looked this up. Guess what on this season, this whole season, he he is shooting on shots outside of 10 feet. Trez? Yeah. Zero. Well, he had a jump shot in the past. He used okay. to take it. He used to like post up and then get into his dribble thing and like I don't spin remember. Stuff. He used to do it all the time. This is by far the fewest amount of jump shots he's taken in his career. Outside of 10 feet, which I the basketball reference, which isn't perfect, but just let's, for the sake of it, he shoots, it says between three and 10 feet. I don't think he has shot any, like most of those shots are on the three and four feet yeah. side of the, in the 10, but outside of 10 feet, he has taken seven shots on the season outside of 10 feet. He is shooting one of seven from outside of 10 feet. The free throw close. line is 15 feet away. Right. Tries to shooting one of seven. It's the lowest percentage at the rim of his career. His ability to do anything just went away. So at least Deadman can pretend, even if he doesn't make any, he is somewhat of a, you have to like look at him out to three. And so I think that that's a hope. I think the defensive rebounding is a hope. He probably can't defend in space at all, but I'm like trying to will myself to believe that this we, maybe could be helpful, but I don't know. We got I some. I don't feel great about it, but I'm, I'm going to try to be optimistic about it. We got some Deadman voicemails. 833 Lickface is the voicemail number. Hey, nothing quite like the morning after getting your heart ripped out <laughs> in the Super Bowl, waking up to seeing that the fucking Sixers signed Dwayne Deadman about five years too late mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. Perfect. I, I, it's, it's, I love it. I'm so happy now that the Eagles are done playing and I can get the focus. All my attention on this shitty team with their <laughs> shitty decision making. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. I'm sure he's going to be great, and it's all going to work, right? Fire CJ. All right, and then best, we got- best team in the league since the new year. 
Um, hey, Spike and Mike, um, longtime listener, first time caller here. And uh, it's been about a half hour since uh, Dwayne Dedman got signed. And I'm, I'm seething. I'm actually more upset that we signed Dwayne Dedman than, we, than I was when the Eagles lost last night. Just, I don't know how Daryl Morey can be so incompetent. Like we had Stanley Johnson right there. Stanley Johnson would have helped out a lot. Hell, Patrick Beverly would have helped out a lot. I, I just don't get this obsession with washed up old centers. Um, just, I guess, enjoy another second round exit and the uh, Sixers rebuild in the off season. Thank you. <laughs> the question, like Stanley Johnson would have been nice. He was, he was pretty good in, in San Antonio, and, but it's a matter of like, who are you playing him over? Right. And what in the rotation are you going to take out? And now that Jalen McDaniels is pretty entrenched in that like four five, you know, sorry, three, four uh, spot as like athletic guy who can switch a little bit. You kind of don't need anybody else. Otherwise, they'll just sit next to Dan House on the bench. We should also say, you know, Corkmans wasn't available today. We, I don't think we talked about it on the pod, but like very upsetting that the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria that have caused so much devastation. So Absolutely. I'm, you know, the, I'm sure he's going, uh, aside from the trade request, which is funny, um, this is obviously like probably a terrible time for him and his family and stuff. So absolutely. Shout out to Corkmans and, and hopefully, hope, you know. Hope everybody's okay. The uh, the the photos and the the video from there is fucking terrifying. Yeah, really very very yeah. upsetting. Not to bring it down, but um, anyway, at least like you know, <laughs> to go back to Dwayne Dedman, uh, it he's better than Trez, and so if Doc's not going to trust Tre- uh, B Ball, I would rather him do Dedman than Trez, and you can't just waive Trez for nothing because they signed him to a two year contract with a player option. Before we get to Mac McClung, uh, we did get an email from Marty um, that he said, how many players are we going to give up? Uh, Write to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. How many players are we going to give up on too soon? Because Doc and his stubborn ass, one dimensional lack of adaptation coaching. I seriously think he's a Dave Silver plant to sabotage this team. Watching Matisse's Portland debut was one of the more depressing moments in recent (laughs) Sixers history. And that's saying something for a team this frustrating. Then we go and sign Deadman. Honestly, Doc's influence on personnel is way more problematic than Colangelo's tenure, in my opinion, and just embarrassing on a league level to see all these players we draft to go elsewhere for nothing and get the right right conditions to flourish rant over i don't think Um, that's i don't think that's right the colangelo part but it, it is frustrating to for the sixers to have identified in the second round so many players that are capable of being nba players rotation nba players they've gotten and that and they don't get a chance here which happens on good teams but they also trade them for nothing. Uh, and I, and to let them walk for nothing is is frustrating. It's a it's poor asset management. I and I w- I'm sorry. Ahead. I'm sorry. No. Finish. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's just it's just like watch, you know, not that the answer is always a second round pick in the first year of their, you know, second year of their career, but like there's that's the best. Uh, this I mean, I'm just spoiling the, what I write in the in the newsletter tomorrow, which you should subscribe to uh, with Zoe. It's just like if if they just had a guy that they have developed into, like for like two or three years, like this uh, this guy is going to be the guy for for a cheap amount of money that like becomes Joel's backup center, and we will like put resources into making sure that that is him. Whether it's Paul or could have been Bassey, because who is a much more normal, straightforward, like rim to rim type of center. Um, although he's a good foul, foul shooter, and and you could believe that maybe he develops as a, as a three point shooter at some point. 
who just got signed to a very nice four-year deal with the Spurs to be now Zach Collins' backup. Like, it's it's just, you just want, rather than going back to the same well every time, going to the buyout market and going like, maybe this guy will fall apart. Or maybe like, we'll trade serious assets for like Mason Plumley. The reason why I didn't get Plumley is because like, you had to find a way to get like, nine or 10 million for him. And that's trading away legitimate rotation players for this guy that you're just going to be like, can we just get eight minutes for him? Like the easiest way to do it is to fucking draft this guy late in the first round or in the second round and just be like, be competent for three or three or four years. And then we don't have to fucking worry about it, but we keep doing this. It's been six years of it. I would like to correct Marty's email though. I, but that is not the situation on Matisse Thibel. Matisse Thibel played 20 minutes a game every season he was here in Philadelphia until this season. Yeah. 20 minutes a game starting as a, a, he didn't start as a rookie, but starting when he was a rookie, playing 20 minutes a game. This is after playing four years of college. Matisse Thibel got a chance to play in Philadelphia and never got any better. You just, you have to, I'm, I'm all for doc slander. I'm all for it. But you can't just every time something happens that you don't like blame him. Matisse Thibel, if you watch the, and by the way, he went 0 for 3 his, from 3 his second game in Portland. If you watch the four threes he hit, they were wide the fuck open. And he's done that here. I, AU, every time Matisse Thibel hits two threes, AU would think Matisse Thibel is good again. Oh yeah, me too. He really- had a chance here. I, I agree with you, by and large, for a lot of players. But Matisse Thibel had a chance here. He failed. He wasn't good enough. He wasn't going to play in the playoffs. He wasn't trustworthy in the playoffs. Now, I don't know if Jalen McDaniels is going to be, but they weren't going to re-sign Matisse Thibel. And it's at least worth a flyer on McDaniels, I think. I just I, There are a lot of players you can blame uh, Rivers for. I don't think you can blame for Matisse Thibel. I think that... Jalen Daniels was absolutely worth a flyer for. And I think he will be more helpful here because of the like two way, uh, you know, at least two way ceiling, let's say, whereas Matisse didn't have it. Um, I, it's frustrating that they had to trade the 32nd or 33rd pick with Matisse mm-hmm. to get that. I think that's a little bit more value for, you know, swapping an expiring contract that you're going to have to pay for an expiring contract that you're going to have to pay. Um, but yes, Matisse never got better. He never got better. It was frustrating that he never got better. It was frustrating to watch him make like similar mistakes. There were like a couple things this year where we're like, oh, he's dribbling a little bit more confidently. Like that's, but that's so little. It's like an NBA player. Why we should set the bar a little bit higher. And Dude, he's and older also, than DeAnthony Melton. He's older than DeAnthony Melton. Like think about that. Think about how much yeah. better DeAnthony Melton has gotten in his time Big in the time. NBA. Right. You know what yeah, I'm absolutely. I, I think in addition to the fact that Matisse never got better, Doc Rivers is not a creative enough coach or a willing to acknowledge creative enough, creative enough ideas to utilize Matisse in ways where he could be more helpful. And maybe it's the, that the personnel on this team doesn't sort of like, isn't conducive to that. But I think a better coach, a more like try shit coach would have made him, despite the fact that he didn't get better as like an offensive weapon, uh, you could have utilized him in more, distinct sets to get easy dunks because he's athletic because he's long because he can jump very high team maybe. all that stuff it's, so it's it's frustrating on on some levels it, it's mostly frustrating that matisse didn't get better and it's also frustrating that the sixers couldn't utilize a guy who's like very clearly talented in very unique ways uh, but also limited in very unique ways 
Before we get to Mac McClung and a, uh, a Ben Simmons update, Adam Kasabi is the official realtor of the process. I actually heard from, I, I, am I allowed to say his first name? I'll say his first name, Seth, who was, I think, the first home buyer from Kasabi, from Ricky, bought a house at the Delaware Beaches, K-S-E-B-E, Adam Kasabi. And I said, the first one who buys a house with Kasabi, I will do a podcast at his house. And he has, he is cashing that in. So at some point, I'm going to drive to his house in the Delaware Beaches, do the podcast and drive back. Adam Kasabi, K-S-E-B-E, the master of the Delaware Beaches, his offices and his team based out of Long and Foster and Bethany Beach, which is one of the shore points in Delaware. There's Rehoboth, there's Dewey, there's Lewis. And the amazing thing about Delaware Beaches and the homes that you're going to buy there, the property taxes like a tenth of what you're going to pay in Jersey. If you're thinking about a shore house or maybe you can work remotely and you don't want to live in a city or you don't want to live in a normal suburb anymore. Maybe you want to go live near the beach, quiet, different way of life. Delaware Beaches, you got to go to Kasebe, K-S-E-B-E. If you're buying it as a vacation home, you know what you do? You buy the house, you rent it out for most of the summer. It basically pays your mortgage for the whole year. And then you have free vacation house and you're building equity in the home. Adam Kasebe is the official realtor of the process. You don't want to go to anyone else if you're buying or selling in Delaware, Maryland. And if you're buying or selling in Jersey, PA, New York, any state, and you need a realtor, Adam can't sell you a home or sell your home in those places, but he will find you a realtor. He will interview realtors. He'll talk to you first, find out what you need. He'll interview realtors till he finds you the right one. K-S-E-B-E, processrealtor.com and his cell, you can call or text him right now. Try it. See if he texts you back. He's got a, I don't know, he's got a young kid. Maybe I'll text you back. 302-864-8643. 302-864-8643. Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. The Sixers have a contestant in the 2023 NBA dunk contest. Who was the last one? The last one was 06. Was it really that? It was really since Iguodala? Correct. Andre Iguodala, when he was robbed. 17 years to not have one contestant in the dunk contest. It feels that way because KJ McDaniels dunked for half half a season and no one else has dunked since then. Yep. And you... You watch that Iguodala dunk. Oh my God. All it looks impossible, that dunk. It doesn't which, look which, which one are you talking about? The one behind the, on the, the side under or the, the fucking backboard? Under, under it. Yeah, yeah. That one yeah. also looks incredible. Yeah. It's ridiculous. He was, he was so good in that dunk contest. I think for, I think this is the thing I'm, maybe backup center is, is taking that away, is like taking the top spot. But I think Iguodala losing to Nate Robinson in a dunk contest when Nate Robinson got to do 75 dunks because there was no time limit. Yep. I th- and then they still gave him like tens and shit. I think that's the thing I've been mad about the longest in my life. I think I've spent the most time being mad about that because it's just so fucking stupid. And also, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. So we're going at All Star Weekend. It shouldn't just be tens anymore. It shouldn't be a nine or a ten because obviously there's such a massive difference between eight, nine, and ten mm-hmm. when you hold up signs. You should get to you should get to score it yourself out of fifty. Uh, you as a judge should get to say this is a 47 and then you average those out because mm-hmm. all tens and all nines is like very different like it's just it doesn't it's not enough wiggle room you're basically grading it from one to five because it's you're putting a six six through ten like there's not that many options give people more options so there's a little bit more 
a little bit more context, a little bit more like flexibility. Why are we so rigid in how we're doing this? Because people, I know people like to hold up a 10, but like you can hold up a 50. That's pretty cool. Hold up a 48. Also cool. Like there should be more, more of it or like seven and a half, put halves in there, something, give them something. The other sixers to I'm right. You're not, you're not commenting on it, but I'm right. No, I, I agree with you. Okay, I think, no, yeah, yeah. I think that's totally fair. I, I think okay. the the scoring, there, there are a lot of, I mean, the best dunk contest I ever saw was uh, Zach Levine. So Aaron Gordon, and, yeah. And Aaron Gordon. Yeah, crazy. It it, it has been really, it, they've had some tough years. I, I do think a lot of the NBA players are, the better ones are cowards for now participating. Mac McClung joins. Could be a little bit of a Bobby Abreu situation, which, and you know, I'm dying to bring up Abreu. Hmm. When he well, did the home run derby and then it changed the swing. Oh, right, right, right. Well, what are they, is it going to change their dunk? What's <laughs> a fucking... little bit, change their way they're seeing the court. I don't know. Uh, I just wanted to say Bobby Abreu. Mac McClung joins Larry, uh, Andre Iguodala, Larry Hughes, Jerry Stackhouse, Tim Perry. Yep. Clarence Weatherspoon, which is amazing that he yeah. was in the dunk contest. Yes, he was. Completely unimpressive if you go watch it on YouTube. Tim Thomas ever do it? No, Shelton Jones, uh, and then Dr. J twice. So Mac McClung, who was a uh, a blue coater and was recently signed as they they dropped Julian Champagne and uh, gave Mac McClung the two-way contract. Yeah, him and Louis King. Tim Thomas did do a dunk contest, but it was the a McDonald's All-American dunk contest with Kobe. He is averaging currently... Um, Mac McClung, I think he's averaging like 20 points a game, isn't he? I, I, I had this somewhere, 19 points a game, 50% from three on 4.3 threes per, he's only playing 26 minutes a game. Uh, five assists. Uh, I, like he's, it looks like a fun little G League player, man. Like, totally. you know, uh, it's kind of cool that like he's in the dunk contest too. Yeah. Is he a good dunker? Yeah, does he he's have a, a really good dunker. He was like a YouTube sensation in high school. Uh, okay. um, he, he actually, I, I, I think Lauren Rosen might have posted this, but he, he broke Iverson's Virginia high school scoring record. Oh, wow. Um, he's, I mean, he's, he's a very fun player and extremely bouncy and like not a bad player. He went to Texas Tech. Like he played like legitimate college basketball, went to after Georgetown. Um, and, uh, but there's, there's, this is fake. This is, this is Daryl doing the league a favor, like a hundred percent. This is, this is 100%. Like we don't, Julian Champagne, first of all, he sucks. He had the worst summer league I've ever seen. And I've yeah. seen so many bad summer leagues and he just never popped whatsoever. Um, and they're just, they're docs not using his two way spots. Anyway, honestly, they could cut Mac McClung and Louis the King and like, Put us in the two way spots because they're not. We're not going. They're not going to use them. Doc's not going to go with them. They're not going to. Doc would rather play PJ Tucker well. fifty five minutes than than use his two way spots. He would hates it. He hates doing it. Charlie Brown Jr. He did through the fucking skin of his teeth. He hated it the whole time. Um, so it doesn't matter to Doc. So we may as well do the league a favor. Uh, so maybe next time Daryl obviously tampers with players or Elton does. Uh, the league will be a little more lenient because of the the favor, the solid they did for Mac McClellan. Well, I'm looking forward to it. He will go against Jericho Sims of the Knicks, KJ yeah. Martin. Big guys of, are never good in a dunk contest. No. Jericho Sims is very impressive, but big guys are never, it's not, it's not the nope. thing. Uh, KJ Martin and Trey Murphy, the third. Yeah. I think it'll probably be between Trey Murphy and, and, and KJ Martin. 
Kenny Martin's kid doing the dunk contest is pretty cool. And he's turned into a really nice player. I wish he was one of the guys that I wanted to get at the deadline. And Trey Murphy is just another one of those fucking Pelicans guys. They just have so many wing players that are good. Um, and he's awesome. And he's like a very prototypical 3 and D. Like 3 and D and dunk. 3 and D and D. Um, <laughs> is, he's awesome. He's the man. Uh, I think I'm excited for it. And that really, like, what a what an absolute it's if i it's there's nothing to get mad about it's not a bad thing that like mac mcclung finally gets a chance to be no. you know in the in a two-way spot and he's gonna whatever but it's a, it's such a sham it's such a fraud like there's just totally like hey the deadlines the dunk contest in a second like can you just fucking just sign him you motherfucker like well we should have gotten one of those seconds back from the pj Tucker yes thing. i think there should be there should be like a, a, a under the table uh second changing hands there uh so Ben Simmons played 13 minutes the other night. Yeah. And tonight he played 20. He scored two points on two shots, did not shoot a free throw, four rebounds, four assists. He's getting Con- booed by yes. Brooklyn fans. That, that And by the way, that started a few weeks ago, just not as strong. Mm-hmm. After he played 13 minutes the other night, Jacques Vaughn said the following when asked in the press conference. It's going to be some work that we have to do. Because you just take a look at what the lineups could potentially look like. You put another big next to Ben. Then you got to figure out what the spacing is around him. Then if you put another playmaker next to him, then you got to figure out what Ben looks like without the basketball. Then if you go small with Ben, you have to figure out, can you rebound enough with him? So the challenges are ahead of us. We'll look them head on. We'll figure it out. We have the personnel to figure it out. Sound like you do. Uh, whether he is, whether it's me mixing and matching through different pieces of the game and allowing him to have a group and run with that group, that part we'll figure out. But you see the challenges that lie ahead. Now, these are things I will say that I did say about his game. I n- did not think it would result in, I thought it was like more likely he wouldn't play than it would get to this position yeah, where his, his head coach is literally saying, his skills are so warped that we don't even know how to put him on the floor with anybody. He's now in a really, not he's in not in a bad situation, but like there are so many other long, like defensive wings on this Brooklyn team that like on a team when it, when it was like Kyrie and KD and like Seth Curry and stuff, it was like, okay, little guards that can shoot for the most part and like just go, drive and kick and defend the best player. And now it's like, we have Mikhail Bridges, who by the way had 45 tonight. Yeah. Uh, he's awesome. And that by will the way, be a different therapy session in the future. Um, and Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal and even Yuta Watanabe can hit corner threes. And like, there's just like athletes and long, long players like all over the place in Brooklyn. It, it is frustrating to me. And it was frustrating for a long time. And listeners to this podcast will know like, the only stretch five Ben has ever played with is Al Horford. And it's just like Nick Claxton rules. He's better than Ben Simmons right now. He's awesome. But like, and, he, and Ben is not right right now. Like whatever, whatever call it, if it's a health thing and he's working back to whatever, or if it's a mental thing, like it's all of it probably. Um, but just like there exists in the modern NBA centers who can shoot threes. Brooke Lopez. Miles Turner, Thomas Bryant, Nas Reed. Like there, there are guys that can do that. And it just is bizarre to me that now 
however many years into Ben's career, he hasn't he's played with one in Horford who is making a billion dollars to stand next to him for the it's most part. It's bizarre to me that he is six ten and stronger and faster than everyone and won't go to the free throw line. Oh yeah, hundred percent. A hundred percent. Look, all of the criticisms are, are valid. Yeah, but also yeah. if you want to try to make it work, you should just get go get Mike Muscala. Like get somebody. There are there are centers who can shoot the reasons and rebound. Frank Kaminsky. Well, there, was, there was one anybody. here. There was one here. I know, but you don't want Joel doing that all the time. I guess yeah. is the issue. And it was like uh, and he was and he was frustrated having to do it that much for him. I thought this was an interesting question to end on. And then we have a, just a, a, a CJ related voicemail that I think we have to end on. But um Email from Mike. I thought this was an interesting question. Hi, Spike and Mike. I can relate to Spike's admitted obsession with Ben Simmons. And by the way, I am obsessed. I will never let any of it go. Never. Not for him, mostly for everyone who talks shit to me while he was here. I'm going, I've been wrong enough to where if I have this one, I'm going to hold on to it. Yeah, he certainly is. You were certainly right in the sense that like you were, you, you feel like you took issue with him as like a, as a, as a person as well as a player, and you thought that he didn't have it in him, and that that has proven thus far right. But also, it's important to note, and I think Sixers Adam talks about this all the time. Like, he has gotten way worse. Like, he was like a was a third team All NBA player, like a multi time All Star. Like, he had he looks like a, a a very small shell of himself in a way that's like this wasn't the same guy that he was when he was when he was here. I agree, but I do think it's like connected. I, I do think like his n- lack of improvement from an offensive point of view yeah. put yeah. him in a situation where this would happen. Yeah, and he was retreated more into himself. You yes. look at him and him as a rookie rookie player, like he was shooting, look at him LSU, he's doing stuff, and he just kept doing less and less of the other stuff. And now he literally only does drive and kick. He's not yeah. looking at the rim. He's not thinking about it. He's not trying to score once in a while. He'll go to the hook shot, but like that hook shot sucks, and he should never have. He should never. He should never do that hook shot because it's him falling away. From, he doesn't have great touch. Like it's just like, yeah, he's he's so, retreated away from like the player he could have been in, in a in a bunch of like very stark and unique ways. Mike says, "Hi, Spike and Mike. I can relate to Spike's admitted obsession with Ben Simmons, as I've also found myself watching any Nets games I can find and consuming any Simmons-related news. My question is, what is your ideal outcome to the Ben Simmons saga?" I'm torn. Sometimes I wish him well and I hope he figures it out. Maybe he ends up doing some doing well on some terrible team where he can hide the rest of his career. Other times I just want to see his career end by Joel dunking on him so viciously that Ben crumbles to the floor and is so broken that he retires mid-game. <laughs> Interested to see not how you think it will end, but how you want it to end. I, I can relate to that. Um, I would like, you know, there's worse, there's worse guys, you know, there's, 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 there's people I want worse for than, than Ben, who is always, you know, at least to me personally, like nice. Um, he's, I, I would like for him to, in the off season, be traded to some terrible team where he can, I don't know, try to regain the, the, the person that he, the player that he used to be. And hopefully that team has a, a center that can shoot on it. So we don't have to go through the like, what do we do? Like confused look. It's like, just have, have go find a center that can shoot and put him next to him. And then, and then we'll see. I would, I would love for him to, I think my perfect scenario is him just hanging around the league for eight more years as a 16 minute a game guy. That way he's, he, it doesn't end sadly with him sure. playing, you know, video games like, still, I guess. 16 hours a day. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, 
I do want Joel to be able to dunk on him as much as Joel would yeah. like. Yes. That should be that should be allowed. Um I was gonna say something else. Mm. I oh the thing that the thing that is more than Ben, like Ben was obviously very frustrating in a bunch of ways, but now that it's that part is very much over, the thing that's real that that was frustrating that still lingers is the like Philadelphia man, just like fucking Sixers fans. That's what you get. Like they did they did this to him. Like they didn't appreciate oh, yeah. him. Whatever. And it's just like no, that was a lie. That was always a lie. And people are very lazy with their like assumptions of Philadelphia things. So, so that to me is like watching Brooklyn boo him like a couple months into his career there really uh, is a little bit satisfying and, and also a little bit obviously sad in a different way. But it's like, just stop with the obvious shit. We leave with a voicemail. Super Bowl at all? What's that? Super Bowl for a second? Uh, sure. I mean, that sucked. It was a great game. They lost to probably the best team in the league over the last five years. One of the best quarterbacks. Yeah. I've maybe the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And Andy's awesome. Hall of Fame coach. Yep. And they lost by three points. It was uh crushing in how it happened. Yeah. But felt like correctable. Like Yeah. I it th- like the field it, is a factor, not an excuse, but like a factor for sure. They both played on it. They both played on it, but like the the Eagles defense was predicated upon like getting to the quarterback with their front four. And then they have a defensive coordinator who like, they were obviously a good defense all year, but just, it always felt fraudulent. Like it always felt like this guy doesn't have it and he didn't have it. Like he fucking just absolutely folded in front of the world in front of Rihanna's baby. And it was just like, Never to never get any pressure on a guy. I've said this to seven thousand people. To never get any pressure on a guy whose ankle was falling off is just so. It's such an indictment on like who you are as a defensive mind. And then to then stay there and get the Arizona job, it's like great, bro, take it. Well, I I I think though, you know, uh, you you're playing against somebody who's trying to, I guess. And the thing about Mahomes is is like. He hurts his ankle, right? You see his face and you know it's already hurt. Mm-hmm. At that point, you're like, ha, 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 fucking game over. And for him to come in and play like that. He's awesome. I mean, he's the man. He's it's unbelievable. Just, he's so fucking good, man. He's very, he's very good. And the Eagles' defensive schemes made it very easy on him. Guy, most of the time, guys were open. And then he was just like, oh, I'm just going to scoot by. They never got to him. He got rid of the ball Jalen all the time. He got rid of the ball so quick. Of course he did. But... Yeah. But like, and, and that, that's scheme. He just like, the Eagles got like really outcoached in a bunch of ways. They lost um, by three points. And, but because they're a better team, the yeah. Eagles are a better team top to bottom. Yeah. And Jalen played his ass off. I love Jalen. Guy's the man. It's crazy that we went, go, went, to, went into the season being like, well, let's see. Let's see if he can do it. And like, he is this season, like the best or second best player in football, which is, which is, which is wild. Um, that was great. I was there. Did you know? Did oh, you know? no. I didn't. Uh, we got last minute, uh, offered last minute tickets, and I decided, my brother had been trying to get, uh, my brother-in-law had been trying to get my sister tickets for her birthday, and like, he's a teacher, and he's like, I don't know if there's any way to make it happen. Like, I don't have enough money, but if you guys want, like, something, <laughs> can we just find, find a way? And we couldn't find a way, and all of a sudden, literally Saturday at five, we got offered, uh, we got offered uh, tickets, and it was like, 
we're going. So we drove to Phoenix. My sister lives there. And Alyssa and Amy went, my sister, because I knew that they were going to lose if I was there. I wasn't <laughs> sure if they were going to win if I wasn't, but I knew that they would lose if I was there. And I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I also just think like, I don't know. I wanted to watch the game. I didn't want to like go there for the spectacle. And Super Bowl is like a spectacle. Um, and I knew I wouldn't have been able to see it. So I was, I'm glad that people were like acting like I'm crazy. And I understand that. But like, I wanted to watch the game. I didn't want to be stuck in traffic after they lost. I wanted to like live it, feel it, get good angles of the, of the stuff. And then I'll go to some cool event later. That's like more like corporate when I'm not like living and dying on every play. You know, I was in, I, t- I told you I was in Phoenix for the super, for oh, Super yeah. Bowl media row for yeah. Sunday through Wednesday. And then I had a hotel through the game and I could have gone to the game. People are like, well, why, why aren't you going to go to the game? And I was like, you know what? It's kind of cool to watch it on TV with somebody that you enjoy watching it with. And like yeah. being in a Super Bowl is, look, I was at 18. So I, I, I don't know that anything could ever top yeah. that. Um, and it's neat to be there. But like a Super Bowl is weird. It's not like being yeah. at the link. It's um, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it. I didn't. Yeah. Wa- I I would have been annoyed the whole time. I would have been annoyed at like why things are taking so long. Why there's so many like I don't know yeah. booths or some shit. I would have been annoyed. I watched it at home. Watched it with my nephews and my brother-in-law. It was great. I'm glad that they played. You know, offense played really well. It was fun for a while until it wasn't. Um, annoying penalty at the end there, and. Uh, I'm Alyssa kept being like, are you sure you don't want to fucking go this crazy? But like, I'm, I'm, I made the right decision for my mental health <laughs> on a bunch of ways. And I also could have gotten arrested if I fucking just like called the chiefs fan chop fucking racist. And I would have just gotten like, I would have, I'm not, I wouldn't have been in my right mind at that point. And I'm glad I wasn't in, in public, uh, surrounded by, uh, the other team's fans. After the, after the Clement touchdown in 18, I almost got in a fight with a, a Patriots fan in the yeah. stadium. Like yeah. it's I, tough, man. I can't, yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not built to be talking trash and not escalating it. Yeah. I'm either like, I'm either like having a good time. It's all fine. Like not, not that, not that, uh, invested or I'm like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be around people. I shouldn't be around, especially people on the other team. So I think it was the right call for a number of reasons, and I wish they won. And finally, we leave on this voicemail, 833-LICKFACE. Hey, Spike. Hey, Mike. Just listen to this most recent podcast, and you guys had the filtering in there. Uh, I usually listen on Spotify. Anyway, I was just thinking because CJ is barely even part of the team now anyway, so he doesn't show up. I think you should just leave the filtering in anyway. It just gives him one less thing to worry about, you know? I actually enjoy the filter and it makes it a little bit more personal, but um, I didn't think of a non-basketball question. So yeah, thanks. <laughs> CJ, any comment? Cause you're barely a part of the team now anyway. Yeah. Thanks. Um, <laughs> if someone's listening to the pod for the first time and then they just hear us <laughs> yeah. fucking around for two yeah. minutes before they are going to click off very quickly. So I agree. No, I agree CJ, if you want, if you want the filter in, you come, come to the YouTube and check it out before. Yeah. Or when CJ doesn't do the pot. That's right. right. And I don't think CJ should be fired. I think CJ's great. I well, like CJ. we'll see. We'll see. What, if we don't get to 10,000 YouTube subscribers, he's going to get fired. Or maybe he gets fired at Live Ricky 5. Wow. Pre-sale, February we bring, we bring him out gladiator style. It just fucking we just hold our thumbs out here like friggin' Joaquin Phoenix. <sighs> I right. should say my uh, oh. second episode of the season oh. of Young Rock airs on Friday. Uh, it is the second to last episode of the season. It's available on Hulu and Peacock and on the channel 
NBC awesome. this Friday. You should watch it. It's a great episode. Very fun. A lot of a lot of heat, some wrestling, uh, some emotion, fun stuff. Good show. You should watch it. Young Rock. It's the Dwayne Johnson show, starring me as Are Dwayne. You? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, we will talk to you this weekend. Are you done with TTP? Yeah. You know liquid. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.